Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. Welcome to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, private wealth advisor with Align Wealth Management for the show that is June 25th, 2021. As a friendly public service announcement, if you haven't done so, make your way out to the Western Kentucky Botanical Garden for the last few days of the annual Day Lily Festival. It is an extravaganza, both for your eyes and your nose, and you cannot go wrong being surrounded by the beauties of God's creation. Let's dive in to today's show and look at the market action that is this week. And boy, oh boy, what a difference a week makes. Uh, this time last week, we were coming off of a pretty crummy week, uh, a general pullback, uh, that was really spurred on by some inflation fears that also turned into interest rate going up fears, the Fed stopping their tapering fears. So in general, uh, there was quite a bit of fear last week. It was almost like an old Franklin Delano Roosevelt speech. There was so much fear in it. But what a difference a week makes, and things have been rosy pretty much this week. And uh, we've seen some intraday highs on indexes this week as well. And looking at the markets, uh, year to date, as we get close to the midway point in the year, the S&P has strong gains up about 13 and three quarters percent, uh, and the Dow Jones and NASDAQ are both uh, up over 11 percent for the year. Uh, in the U.S., uh, out of the general indexes, small caps have led the way with a 17 percent gain. But definitely anything energy-related has been up big time this year, and you don't have to look further than the price of uh, old Jed Clampett crude, up about 49.84% um, as of Thursday in the U.S. Our favorite commodity over the last few months is, of course, lumber, which is measured in a 1,000 board feet. As of Friday afternoon, lumber went out around the 90 or $930 mark. Uh, this week, twice, lumber uh, reached the 50% uh, drawdown point from the May highs. Uh, so to put that in perspective, uh, in early May, lumber was $1,734 for 1,000 board feet. And a few times this week already, lumber has plumbed the depths of 867 to 860 uh, per thousand board feet, and it has not broken through. Uh, this old technical uh, analyst thinks that uh, if lumber stays where it is, we may see another uh, price increase. But if it uh, breaks the support level there at the 50% retracement line, who knows where the bottom might be for two by fours. Now, if you're building a house, remodeling a house, or have just projects in general that require wood, you're probably cheering on uh, for this uh, support level to bust and lumber head back to prices of where they were uh, pre-pandemic. Now keep in mind, a 50% retracement from these levels would put lumber right around the $430 mark, which is right about where it was when the pandemic hit, just a little bit above that. So. We'll keep you posted on this show because that's what we do. Looking around the globe, uh, what we've seen is is Europe has had better results than Asia, but Asia is catching on. Um, in Asia, the lead market is the Korean Kopspi, up about 14.5%. Um, 
Australia's up about 12.7, and Singapore's up a little bit more than 11. The poor Chinese indexes are struggling. Uh, comparatively speaking, with uh, Shanghai up only a whopping 2.7% year-to-date, and the Hong Kong market's up 7.41. As we turn our gaze to the old world, as Churchill would say, uh, what we see in Europe is pretty good results across the continent, with the weaker weakest performer being that in the U.K. Uh, they have been... Uh, brexited from the European Union. They're up about 12% for the year, whereas big winners on the continent include France, the CAC 40. Uh, it's up 21.5%. Your Russian index is still up over 18 And generally, elsewhere on the continent, you're seeing about 13.5% returns for the year. One of the spots that hasn't really shown brightly has been gold. Uh, as of Thursday morning, gold was under $1,800 an ounce at $1,786 and down about 6% for the year. Silver has done better. A spot silver is down just about a percent and a quarter for the year and is up at a value of $26.07. And boy, do we have a great show for you today. Uh, we will do some investor spotlights on what to do when you're near the top of a market. Also, why this is a good time to do a check-in on your financial plans and planning to evaluate where you are and why it's important to always look at the trends in the long run. And then, most importantly, we will answer your questions that you've emailed to me. We have a great show on tap for you, and you're listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we will be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer, our pursuits become careers, and if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align Wealth Management. And today in the investment segment, we're going to focus on a few things uh, that's, that are always good to talk about when markets seem close to or at their record highs. And this, uh, this report's uh, brought to you by the folks at Ameriprise. Um, as they've looked at uh, what they call points to consider, and I'll get straight to the punchline, new market catalysts are lacking at the moment. Thus, there isn't much reason for investors to move stock prices up or down a whole lot from current levels and given the well-understood macro environment. Despite some knee-jerk reactions to last week's Federal Open Market Committee meeting, Monetary policy is expected to remain exceedingly accommodative well into next year. Uh, 
The economy is growing above trend and corporate profit growth in the second quarter is expected to be nothing short of quote-unquote eye-popping on a year-over-year basis. Businesses on the whole are emerging from the pandemic leaner and well-capitalized. Despite some supply and demand issues, U.S. companies on average should see their outlooks improve through the second half of the year. At the same time, many consumers are willing and able to spend as pandemic restrictions lift in the U.S. and abroad. Pent-up demand should remain a driving force for outsized growth over the next quarter or two at least. One thing to consider, uh, you know, things are looking rosy, but if you've been trying to schedule a vacation, you know some states, some countries are looking at COVID information that is not as rosy as maybe all uh, all the reports may indicate. For example, there appears to be wide dispersion between individuals who have taken at least one COVID vaccine shot and those who are, quote-unquote, fully vaccinated. Uh, what's unknown at this time are people that are using a two-shot vaccine, such as the Pfizer vaccine um, or the Moderna vaccine uh, not going back for a second shot or are more people using the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It doesn't seem to be the case, but there are still a lot of unanswered questions out there regarding the facts and figures. Yet all of this is built into stock prices today. In Ameriprise's view, the most significant market catalyst at the moment is how hot and how persistent inflation pressures could get over the next few months. Here, investors will just have to wait on more data. The bottom line is it may take several varying inflation and economic reports over the coming weeks and months to piece together inflation impacts and growth implications. So, over the near term, broader stock indexes could sit in a state of limbo. On a price basis, the S&P 500 index is up roughly just 1% this month, indicating the summer doldrums have begun. Notably, the market's state of limbo is coming at a at broad index highs, really, across the board, which is allowing stock prices to consolidate solid gains and digest some of the record performance since the COVID-19 bottom. Overall, Ameriprise believes this is a healthy development for longer-term investors. FactSet has put out data that shows that the S&P 500 index has bounced around record highs since April, posting a new intraday high last week. As their charts also indicate, the benchmark's 50-day moving average has provided a consistent level of support all year and during shorter periods of downdrafts. In my view, the current conditions favor stocks, but a more meaningful shift up or down across the S&P 500 may require more data on the inflation front, which only time can provide, and patience is always a very good uh, attribute when you're an investor. Also taking a wait-and-see approach are the U.S. small stocks, the small caps. The domestically focused, heavily financial and industrial Russell 2000 index has traded relatively sideways since March of this year, as FactSet also pointed out. While the Russell 2000 index has traded in a tighter range through much of this year, the benchmark has also been holding its 50-day moving average rather well. It's natural for the group to take a breather 
after such strong performance run, but Ameriprise believe the asset category should continue to hold up well as smaller companies move through and manage supply chain disruptions this year and more consumers engage in economic activity. Finally, and worthy of mentioning this morning, is a quick catch-up with tech and growth and what they've been able to see against cyclical value investments in June. In some respects, the price action has shifted from the Dow 30 companies, i.e. companies heavy on cyclical value side, to the NASDAQ composite, which is heavy on the tech side and growth. And the NASDAQ did hit an all-time high uh, intraday on Wednesday. Large cap growth is also outperforming large cap value by over 650 basis points this month. And in Ameriprise's view, a dip lower in interest rates this month has propelled some investors to take another look at areas like tech, which has trailed not only the more cyclical exposed sectors this year, but the broader S&P 500. Though I believe investors should hold an equal weight position in information technology, concerns about the Federal Reserve choking off the cyclical recovery too early are overdone in Ameriprise's view. This has contributed to pausing momentum in financials, industrials, and materials month to date. However, there is expectation that investors will eventually gravitate back to these areas in the second half, which Ameriprise believes have strong earning trends and support and continued favorable outlook for a cyclical recovery. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Lion Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we'll be back. In- when today is unpredictable, you need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align Wealth Management. And this is the third segment of our show where we delve deeper into financial planning topics. As we get close to the end or the midpoint in 2021, this is always a good time to evaluate your progress towards your goals. As stated, when we look at investments and other topics such as insurance, keep in mind those are not an end to a uh, means to an end uh, on their own, but rather just another tool in a tool chest. When you look at your financial life, look at it through the lens of a comprehensive financial plan that takes into consideration your goals, your available resources, your own risk tolerance and timeframes, and other specific information uh, regarding you and your family. As you reach the midpoint in any year, 
it's a good time to evaluate where you are financially. From time to time, it's always worthwhile to check in where you are towards meeting your goals. Specifically, I don't advocate looking at your 401k every day, but mid-year or say the end of the first quarter, end of the third quarter, uh, those are all good times to see where you stand. And also, when you look at, say, your portfolio or other types of financial tools at mid-year, don't just look at it where it is today, but put it in perspective of where it was six months ago, where it was 12 months ago, where it was 24 months ago, because really what you want to do is establish what the trend is. It's a best practice in all finance, not just investments, but also accounting, cash flow, any type of financial discipline, to never just have a number on a page without something to reference it back to. So as you evaluate where you are at the mid-year point, a best practice is to pull up some old documentation and see where you were on December 31st of 2020, see where you were at the end of June 2020, the end of June 2019, the end of June 2018. And it's really, it's a good practice to look at that with all your accounts, even your checking, your savings, uh, obviously your retirements. If you work for the state, it's a great time to do it because you're going to be getting your state pension reports probably by the second week of July. So mid-year is a very good time to see where you stand financially. Also, as you get into the habit of checking things on a disciplined basis, market fluctuations really aren't going to uh, frighten you or spook you out of your longer-term financial plan like they could if you were not uh, a disciplined reviewer of your finances. Keep in mind, if, if you're a computer uh, person, build a spreadsheet. Track how you're going. And remember, if you are actively saving in your retirement plans, keep track of the money that you've put into those uh, rather than just the balances because that might tell the story of something bigger, and oftentimes we focus far too often on our own shortcomings as individuals rather than taking time to smell the roses and pat ourselves on the back for what we've accomplished. Because if you're saving money on a regular basis, it's going to your retirement, you should be patted on the back, so to speak, for that good work. So keep in mind, from a financial planning standpoint, it's a good time to a couple times a year to check where you are. Also, if not just your retirement investments, your other investments, as I said, your checking and savings. Also, if you have cash value insurance products, it's really a great time of the year just to sit back and evaluate where you've come from and where you've gone. And also, if you need to make directional changes, increase your savings, decrease your savings, etc., this is a great time to do it because you have six months in the year left for those changes to take impact. It's also a great time to look at your situation 
at the end of June because if you have saved money for your kid's college, what we know is in about 30 days, you're going to be getting a tuition bill in the mail and you're going to be needing to make withdrawals from however you saved for your children's college, either regular investments, a savings account, a cash value life insurance, or a 529 plan, or a prepaid tuition plan. So keep in mind, not only don't look at June 30th just as the halfway mark in the year, but there is never a better time to check up on the financial progress you have towards all your goals than the end of June each year. Remember, focus on those trends, not so much a point in time. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the famous email bag segment of our show. And as a reminder, please send your questions to me at william.a.watson at ampf.com, and I will read them on the air. This week's question comes in is more of a geopolitical question, but it had to do with why are we so worried about what happens in China? Well, since China became part of the World Financial Network in the mid to late 90s, more and more and more of the materials, uh, let's say component parts and wholesale finished goods uh, are produced in China and exported globally, especially to the U.S., from any other trading partner, really, that we have. Uh, China has permeated the production of almost uh, any type of goods you can imagine. Uh, now, granted, I don't think a lot of us listening would be lining up to ride on a uh, spaceship made in China, an airplane made in China, um, because of some quality issues. But in general, when it comes to uh, a lot of stuff that has to be manufactured in mass at cheap prices, uh, once China kind of slid into the World Trade Organization in the 90s, uh, it has become the bull in the China shop, so to speak, pardon the pun, with uh, swinging global demand and supplies, etc. 
the backdrop on China is they're a communist country that tries to really have almost kind of a quasi-capitalist system in that some of the Chinese have made uh, millions and even billions of dollars uh, with this what I would call state-supported capitalism model that they use under the umbrella of the People's Republic of China. And keep in mind, not all communism is the same. Um, my personal opinion is they're equally bad, but the Chinese version is a little bit different than what uh, the old Soviet Union practiced. But essentially, you are subordinate to the state uh, in every way, shape, or and form, even within your private life, how many children you would be allowed to have. But China did start experimenting with capitalism probably in the late 80s. Uh, it grew and grew and grew uh, all the way till they were uh, granted status in the World Trade Organization, I think around 1997. With that entrance and their growing economy, China has had to confront really – um, a few issues when it comes to uh, being a member of the global economy but doing it with the backdrop of a communist party in charge. What appears to be clear is that China is slowing down um, and there's, you know, from a structural economic standpoint, it's here. But here's why this is important. Uh, a lot of people, um, me included, are concerned that the U.S. has printed money out of thin air. But keep in mind, uh, as we've you know, broadcast a year ago, China has printed more money since the great financial crisis than the U.S., the Eurozone, and possibly Japan combined. So let's step back and let that soak in. China has printed more money than the U.S., the Eurozone and Japan, so almost the entire developed world, uh, China has basically just generated uh, Chinese yuans, uh, their version of the dollar, out of thin air since 2009 at a pace that is unprecedented anywhere in history. And keep in mind, they did not recognize any of the losses that took place in the great financial crisis like what happened here in the U.S., one of the reasons the U.S. probably bounced back the fastest is they were the most, for lack of a better term, aggressive in their loss recognition policies in the banking sector than any other part of the globe. No banker wants to you know, admit they've made a bad loan or take the loss, but it is quicker to kind of take your medicine early and move on, and the Chinese still have not done that. So a lot of economists have thought really for the last, you know, over decade, the China economy is just, you know, really on a precarious position. And specifically on a month-on-month -month basis recently, Chinese credit has been relatively stable in May, and aggregate financing was flat, basically with about 1.92 Chinese won versus 1.85 trillion in April. Now, similarly, there was 1.5 trillion won worth of loans extended uh, in, a, in, in May, and there was almost that much extended 
in April. On a year-on-year basis, Chinese credit growth continued to decelerate and is now near the previous cycle's trough. Notably, it's been seven months since Chinese credit growth peaked, which is significantly shorter than the 13-month it took for credit to decelerate from peak to trough during their slowdown in 17 and 18. And this suggests that credit growth is undershooting the government's target for the year. That said, you know, the research that we have, especially from BCA regarding China investment strategies, they do not expect a reversal in policy tightening. Instead, credit growth is likely to hover near current levels for the remainder of the year. In years past, the Chinese policymakers eased when global manufacturing backdrop was faltering. Given that global growth is currently robust, Chinese policymakers will not feel an urgency to reverse the policy setting and are more likely to use the strong external environment as an opportunity for domestic deleveraging. The Chinese economy will ultimately feel the impact of the rapid deceleration in credit in the second half of this year, and an economic slowdown could weigh down on Chinese corporate profits, as well as emerging market earnings more broadly. Thus, investors should maintain an underweight position based on what BCA says in Chinese stocks within the global portfolios over the last six months. Yes, so specifically speaking, they will focus on deleveraging their home balance sheets while trying to grow the business for international consumption. Thank you for listening to Financial Fridays. And just remember, we will be back same time, same channel next week. And if you can believe it, we are coming in close to the 1st of July. So this means this year is already halfway in the books. Have a great weekend. This is WOMI Owens.